passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rewind to Dynamite. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting joining us live from Toronto. How are you? I'm doing all right, John. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Okay. Busy feel day. He- feel healthy? Um, I'm uh, improving, I guess. Still That's symptoms, good. but uh, better than uh, days past. How about yourself? You were uh, You were feeling it on Monday? Yeah, I was feeling on Tuesday too, but today was certainly a lot better. So, thank thank you uh, for asking. Yes. Uh, tonight took uh, over two hours to put my daughter to sleep. Ooh, just uh, sorry, nuts. Yeah, it's like I was trying to explain to her. Wednesdays are very tough for you to refuse to go to sleep because uh, this is the show that I. Uh, it's very hard for me to take breaks to come get you to go to sleep. And that's your duty, right? Uh, yeah, she seems to. I seem to have better luck than uh, than my wife with her. But she's uh, when she doesn't want to sleep, she just like she won't even stay still. She just gets up. She's just uh, mm. I don't know. There's no there's no magic uh, button to press. So what do you do? Like what's what sort of like your your trick? Um. Uh, sometimes I read to her. Sometimes I will. Uh, I'll tell her to like close close your eyes, but when she closes her eyes, she like she'll squeeze them like like she's like Ugh. I'm like that's that's not gonna put you to sleep. That's just gonna be uh, difficult. Usually, it's just do nothing, and she's going to eventually just like short circuit and fall asleep. But she just likes likes having you in the room. I guess so. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> because if one of us leaves, then she'll just get up. She'll just venture out, and she can open gates. Maybe you just start doors. watching Dynamite on headphones. While you're in there, I've I've thought of it. Yeah, if if we can get to a point where I could just get um, I could probably just go by the audio and probably piece it together. That that might be my next. Just take take notes on my my phone. Mm. Listen to uh on my earbuds. I could do that because I don't. I can't have a screen on. She'll see it, and then that yeah. won't work. But I could just you listen. Need, to you need like goggles or something, like VR goggles or something. This will get easier. This will get easier yeah. in, in time. How's Oscar sleeping these days? Is he? Uh... Um, I mean, we, we're we're honestly blessed with with the kid that's like able to sleep by himself. So, um, for the most part, pretty good. Like he's maybe been waking up a little bit more, and I think that might be just due to illness. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond that, like 
his eating is worse. So, um, worse. He, yeah. And I don't know if that's because he's been sick too, but like he, he's really not been taken as much lately. So like now he's learned how to puke. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, that's kind of fun. Like some, we don't know if he's doing it in revolt cause he doesn't want to eat something or if it, it hunger like, strike. Uh, could be that yeah or maybe he's auditioning to for a role in the uh, in the wwe um <laughs> uh, i don't know if you got that or not but we, uh, we i got it i think everyone got a well, puke okay yeah. yeah anyway but uh we're we're dealing with that and that's not not been the most fun um but you know i'm sure sleeping's okay naps during the day and good. sleeps yeah. most of the night wow uh, mm-hmm. consider yourself blessed very very much so mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you have it, everybody. There's the, the latest and greatest. Uh, we have several shows coming up that we want to uh, alert everybody for. This is your last call to get your questions in for the Ask Away Mailbag Show on Thursday, where you can ask such uh, questions as tricks to get your children to sleep, tricks to get your children to eat, uh, or anything else that is on your mind. You can send your questions forum.postwrestling.com or memo fm slash post wrestling for your audio questions that show will be going up thursday all members at postwrestlingcafe.com a simple six dollar subscription gets you a month of access to the cool club with all of our extra shows minimum of three per week and this week alone you will be getting the ask away mailbag show then rewind to smackdown friday night and collision course with john Cena and kate from montreal next week we will have a rewind away coming out before the end of the month covering ECW's December to December 2006, featuring an extreme Elimination Chamber match. Why is it extreme? Because each person gets a weapon. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cage is not enough. They need weapons on top of it. So we will review what was uh, generally considered one of the worst pay-per-views of all time in wwe history so that will be coming up uh, next week for members of the cafe uh, but also uh, this weekend we have the survivor series show we will be live as soon as that show concludes on saturday night from chicago uh, with way and i going through the war games festivities and then yes the week will end with collision course on sunday but uh, people can also check out a recent edition of the wellness policy featuring jordan's major announcement Huge announcement. Yes. Major announcement. No pre-sales. Um, no pre-sales that I know of. I don't even think they have a date. So, um, uh, I guess that's to be announced. Yeah. So go, go check that out. How did you find uh volume two of music? I really enjoyed the conversation. I mean, it was very casual. Honestly, um, at this point, we don't really prepare for the wellness policy anymore. It's just, let's pick a topic and let's just like talk about it. And, um, for me and Jordan, at least, you know, music was, is a very easy one to talk to talk about. And uh, we had a lot of interaction from the post wrestling community as well. So if you're interested in hearing what some of the people that might listen to these podcasts or host these podcasts um, may, may have grown up listening to, well, check out this conversation. All right. Uh, today on Pollock and Thurston, we had Nick Hausman back on the show uh, to chat about uh, the latest going on in AEW, some of his reporting on the status of MJF and his contract with the company, and then a lot on the NWA and the CW network. Um, and we talk about the uh, the big cocaine spot from uh, Samhain, their recent pay-per-view featuring uh, Father Jim Mitchell and Goat Boy. So if you want all the the the, the impact of Goat Boy in uh, broadcast television. Uh, I, this, I this feel like... You. 
I feel like Gore's promotional tactic has been um, wrapped up um, this year already. Mm, that that is one that we 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 still might need to uh, to look at. There there's there's been quite some promotional tactics this year, but um, uh, one that could have had the most uh, significant uh, ramifications, uh, per, perhaps uh, mm. per Nick's reporting. So you can check that out, uh, as well as Brandon and I going over all the latest news uh, from the past uh, couple of days. So that is up. On the site as well. And a quick plug for our good friends at Poison Rana this coming Saturday night. If you're not going to be staying at home by yourself watching the Survivor Series, well, the next best thing is downtown Toronto at Gabby's 309 King Street West. It is the watch party with Braden, Davey and company. It is uh, your chance to go hang out with the Poison Rana crew and watch the Survivor Series. The return of Randy Orton inside of a packed bar. What more could you ask for? Uh, I, 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 nothing. That's that's the only thing you could possibly ask for. Yeah, Maybe the right. whole bar will start singing voices in unison. I, I almost guarantee it. Yeah. Braden will be, and um, I, I'm sure ma- many others will be uh, watching him as he sings. And you, and you could possibly leave as the world heavyweight champion of the WWE. John, did you know this? That they're giving away cha- a championship belt at this event. I mean, why not? Seems well, those like things are expensive. You know, that's why. Maybe but. maybe they'll have a covered belt throughout the whole night, and then at the end they will unveil the belt, like we saw ringside at Dynamite tonight. Well, I'm talking about the the Seth Rollins title, which was supposed to be part of Davy's Halloween costume and arrived late. So, um, oh no! Now he's got it, and he's going to be giving it away. So, if you want to leave champion and watch Survivor Series, PoisonRana.ca for tickets to their War Games watch party. All right, check out all of that. We will move on over to just a few news items because uh, we're going to be spending most of the time on Dynamite. But uh, kind of the theme for the night is the Continental Classic. And uh, this afternoon, they held their selection special to announce all of the participants. So we have way the Blue League and the Gold League, Blue and Gold. And in the Blue League, we have Brian Danielson, Andrade El Idolo, Brody King, Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel Garcia, and Eddie Kingston. Over in the Gold League, it is John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Roosh, Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal, and Jay White. So I would say, first of all, your impression of the participants. I think it's a really strong field. You know, um, if the sort of comparison point is the G1, then this couldn't have been simply a a tournament full of mid carters. And it's not. I mean, it's a good mix, you know, but predominantly you have some of the biggest stars in the entire company and Daniel, Bri- sorry, Brian Danielson and John Moxley. And at this point, I think, you know, somebody like a Swerve Strickland or Jay White, somebody who just main evented your pay-per-view um, along with that, Eddie Kingston, who's always a fan favorite and a bunch of up and comers that like a Andrade El Idolo or Brody King or, um, uh, you know, Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel Garcia, absolutely. So I think it's a really strong mix, and everybody, all, um, how many people are, are, are here? 12. 12. All 12 people, every matchup you can almost, like, look forward to. So Yeah, it seemed know. like the the lineup was, was met with pretty, po- uh, like, positive reaction. I would say Brian Danielson is the key person in this. I think that this feels as though it's a tournament built around him for – him to showcase and you have um the match with eddie kingston that i think will be very unique you have a rematch with garcia it's funny that he'll be doing the rematch with andrade who is 
where he injured the orbital bone, but in storyline, it was due to Okada and Orange Cassidy. So they can't really draw attention to that, even though there is a built-in story for this rematch. Um, you know that, and we're probably going to get the only singles match in AEW between Castagnoli and Danielson in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And then on the the gold side, I would say, you know, based... Based on tonight, we will get into the matches. Tonight featured three of, well, everyone in the Gold League was in action tonight. Uh, Moxley is a big addition. And I think it just speaks to the depth of AEW that here we are this tournament. There is no Kenny Omega. There is no Hangman Page. And still you have like this level of depth that overall, like this is the first year that they're doing this. And I think they know that they, this needs to stand out as more than just one of dozens of tournaments that AEW has done. Um, this one needs to stand out in a bit of a different way. And the only thing I would like to see, I would like to see them put out maybe like a schedule of all the matches. So not just for fan interest, but also all these markets that you're coming to, like when is that Danielson Claudio match happening? When is that Danielson Kingston match happening? And you can have several weeks to promote all these matches. Like you should be able to have all of the dates uh, scheduled here. And hopefully they don't run into any, any problems along the way, like an injury or something that could throw all this into chaos. Well, I wonder if they even know when Brian Danielson might actually. Well, yeah, he's not announced for Saturday. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's tough. Like he he will, he is the one that everyone is banking. Now, I guess worst case, if he's not cleared this week, like he can make up time and Mm -hmm. wrestle on a dynamite and a collision to get to Mm -hmm. his five matches. But even so, like it's, you know, when he he did his like video thing today, he was noting the fact that his orbital was broken in two places, which I assume is legitimate what he's stating. And you know, the, the fact that he is had not been cleared to fly as of the last update. And here he is, you know, needing to, you know, I I don't see any of these matches being, you know, simple, you know, just smoke and mirrors or anything like that, that you can get away with. Um that would be to his satisfaction either. No, there's no Toriano in this uh, field, unfortunately, for for the break match. Um, but, you know, they, they need to build this tournament as something that is of, like, high quality, high in-ring quality. And I think it, maybe this was planned a long time ago, but at least, like, the timing of something like this, I think, is very important for AEW because they're facing a lot of criticisms, especially coming off of, off of full gear of being too sports entertainment reliant and not maybe delivering maybe what, what the calling card for the company was at the beginning. And that's just strictly in ring content. So at least with this field, you can almost be kind of like assured that every match is going to deliver something uh, of that caliber. And we'll get into uh, the matches itself, but yeah, the the rules, we got the 20 minute time limits. So that'll be the, the length, which they can even call up the, the network and get more time if needed be to, to yeah. make these time limits uh, legit. Uh-huh. This match got in the ring at like nine fifty one for uh, Moxley and Mark Briscoe, but yes, three points for the win one for a draw. Everyone is banned from ringside in big block letters. So you better you got- put your money where your mouth is way. You better tuned in to dynamite tonight. Okay. All your complaints. We're giving you three matches tonight. So a DQ is, is three points. I'm assuming for the other person. Yeah, I guess so. If you get disqualified, you you would lose. Right. Okay. So I guess that's that's how it's explained. A- any predictions so far? Early um, on? I, I would think that, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking at the potential of doing like a Moxley-Danielson in, in the finals. I could see that. Um, I guess with, with the ROH and strong titles, I just, 
I, I don't see Kingston going to the finals here, even though it's his titles uh, at stake. I, I would say Danielson is almost a lock unless there's an injury that's going to affect him in this tournament. Um, being on the one side and then the gold side, I would say Moxley and Swerve would be uh, your standouts. I I almost don't want to see Swerve uh, win this thing because I think that this then almost becomes his thing, right? Like he gets a championship and is away from the world title mix that I think he has elevated himself to. And I think the audience sees him at that level as well. But again, you also don't want to position this as secondary uh, either, but um, Mm -hmm. I guess those would be my, my my three on the the short list, Moxley swerve and Danielson. I, I personally do see Kingston making it to the end just because they made a big deal of him, you know, being the guy that is defending these championships. And um, even though he will certainly lose a match or two within this entire tournament, I think the the visual of having him actually be the person that the last person pins to win the championships might be something that's important to the, for them to do. So I could see him winning Kingston the Kingston and Moxley is there's a shot of that. Or Kingston and Swerve, you know, if you're looking to actually cement somebody. I don't disagree with you that, like, you know, we all want to see Swerve maybe with the big championship. But I also know that they might have a lot of plans in place for MJF and Adam Cole with that, you know, world championship. And I don't know if they're willing to change that just for Swerve. Whereas this might be their idea of, you know, satisfying an an audience that wants to see him in a significant role. Um, Whether or not that will be satisfying enough, I mean, remains to be seen. But I could see him at least going to the end. This is also, given the timing of this tournament overlapping, would suggest that there won't be any ROH title match at Final Battle. Hmm. Because Final Battle You're is right. in the middle of December. So it would wow. make no sense for Kingston to be able to defend this title at that pay-per-view. That's a very good point. I didn't realize that. Um, so Final Battle is not going to have a world title match. It wouldn't make any sense to have one. Yeah. like you, You could do one of these tournament matches at final battle, but it's not really the same as a title. Like the title, you, you literally can't, make you're not going way. to that. They showed you all the dates. Did they show all the dates? Oh, you're right. You're right. They yeah. did. Prom- they promoted all the cities that they're taking mm-hmm. place in, just not when each match is taking place. Yeah. But they at no point showed any ROH like logo, you know, it's either rampage dynamite or collision. So yeah, that's so- very interesting. This final battle looks <laughs> pretty skippable actually the, as the weeks go on but we'll, we'll we'll see maybe it'll be the shibata match that'll headline yeah they know. could use that or i mean it's honor club right like it's not yeah. like you're asking for the same amount and listen if you're going to headline a show with with an athena this is the card to do it if you're yes, headline totally yeah if you're going to headline with mjf and samoa joe having to team up one more time before world's end that's the show to do it on um mm. you can get away with a lot less because you're not asking people to spend 50 bucks on this show. You're asking them to sign up for honor club. There is a different entry point, but on the ROH note. So Thursday night, Ronda Rousey's match will air. And Mm -hmm. what did you think? I just thought it was very underwhelming the way they promoted this. I don't even know if it was mentioned on dynamite tonight. Like they promoted it on their social channel. I didn't notice myself. Like to me, you've got this match. Why not make it like, a reason to tune in this week. Mm. Like you've got the match in the, like even let's even throw out the idea. She's not coming back. She's just doing this one off. Well, let's just make it something yeah. like have a promo. If not with Rhonda, at least with Marina and make this a big deal. Rhonda Rousey Thursday night on ROH. And it's like, this is going to come and go tomorrow night. And I don't feel it's going to be of any value to honor club. And mm. I don't see anybody that 
Like it just to me is not getting the value out of Ronda Rousey doing this match and capitalizing on it. Like I don't even care what the long term is. We've got this match. We're showing it. Let's blow it up. Agreed. Um, it was kind of strange. Um, and I I I don't know what what's sort of at play there. Like, do they feel like because she might not be sticking around, we don't necessarily want to make it a, a we don't want to get people's hopes up that she'll appear at final battle or something. Um, I I don't know. I I can't really explain it. Like, even if it's a one off, just to get people to sign up for the service, so that you're not promising see- anything by showing the man. You're just saying, hey, Ronda Rousey's wrestling on Honor Club tomorrow night. It's like if yeah. people get their expectations up, that's fine. Like, that's we're mm-hmm. not leading you in that. Like to me, you're airing the match. So at this point, let's we're committed to promoting this. And what day is Honor uh, is a um, uh, final battle here? Fifteenth. 15th so if you paid for your subscription today you get final battle that's a great point like you could have done the double whammy here that see ronda rousey sign up for honor club and you are insured final battle next month as well Mm -hmm. that's a great point that would have been a big hook to get get a month out of honor club um Mm -hmm. that they should have you know i understand they have a lot of stuff to push especially on dynamite which is really packed but you've got them i was just i was very underwhelmed by that that here it was a tweet um and it's like here was something that was pretty much feels like it was it fell into your lap like Mm -hmm. i would not have been surprised if ronda was the one that just pitched this and you had sure let's it was a gift so let's enhance Mm -hmm. what we've got here and make the most out of this for what's been a very fledgling product and just to, if if not not just bring attention to Marina Shafir, but to then to bring attention to Athena, who might be headlining your next pay per view, and she really had no presence at all tonight. Yeah. So I just thought that was a part of Dynamite that you could have watched it, and you would not have been leaving with any any observation of what what's happening on our club tomorrow. All right, all your news can be found post. Oh, we have a uh, quick ratings to to go through, and then we will uh, we will move on to the show, but. Um, so starting with Raw on Monday night, they did 1,459,000 viewers, a 0.49 in the demo, down a percentage in viewers, which was minimal, but up 12% in the demo, their highest 18 to 49 number since September the 4th. And what's so amazing about this is they were up against the Chiefs and Eagles game that did over 28 million viewers across ABC, ESPN, and the Manning cast on ESPN2. This was the most watched Monday night football game since November of 1996. 1996, okay? Julia Hart was negative six when that game was played. And they were up in the demo against this huge football game, which is amazing. They were up 11% in 18 to 34, up 23% in men, 18 to 34, and up 13% in 35 to 49. Um, They did fall throughout the show, but... I mean, like regular drops as well. And the fact that the demo was up this week and up by this was their highest 18 to 49 number all of this year's football season. So, I mean, this was very, very impressive that they performed so well and were unaffected by a football game watched by 28 million people. Uh, people people want to know who um uh i guess they didn't really even tease the the announcement of the fifth member actually you know before the show it wasn't until during the show that when you realized they would be doing that but i guess that was maybe good enough or just maybe the promise of um this advantage match was enough to hook people 
that was it that drew mcintyre promo which th- there was a, a drop off after that first quarter maybe people they heard drew they're like we'll be back in the main event because i'm sure this guy's going to get into the advantage match so very impressive number for raw on monday night tuesday's uh, nxt which was taped from a week ago was down 12 percent to 622,000 viewers and down 10 percent in the demo a 0.19 and uh yeah they were they were down pretty significantly with with female viewers and uh both males and females in 18 to 34 with a uh, 29% drop in that demo as well. So uh, they will be back live next week where they are doing a fatal four-way match where Wesley needs to beat uh, Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, and Cameron Grimes to get a shot at Dominic Mysterio at deadline. So he has to beat three former North American champions. I feel Mm -hmm. he's going to pin Cameron Grimes. That's my expectation in this match um pretty good chance of that yeah and that's it mm-hmm. B- big edition of uh nxt where we got uh did you happen to see the segment where von wagner went to robert stone's house and had dinner with his wife and kids this was von wagner there, there has not been a character in nxt that has had a greater turnaround to me this year than von wagner this man has been just uh they, they have done an amazing job of crafting this guy's story and making him just this lovable figure on nxt and this guy was just a an, an abyss of charisma a year ago i think i think i gave worst on the mic last year and this year man he's like a totally like three-dimensional character that they have created with this story of his upbringing his brain surgery and then this angle with braun breaker and here he is like t- taking names from these two little kids of the bullies at school that he's going to go take care of. I mean, heartwarming uh, to say the least. Was this Robert Stone's actual family? You think? I think it was. I don't think they, I I think it is. I think it's his legit family. At least that was my impression. Yes. So uh, a fun segment that they had. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Okay, let us go to Dynamite tonight at the Wintrust Arena in Chicago that did have a, a late push over the last couple of days. So the last update from WrestleTix, almost 4,800 people. So the last time they ran the Wintrust Arena was in June for one of the um, early episodes. that This was the only Dynamite that Punk appeared at during his return phase uh, where he showed up uh, for a segment right before Forbidden Door. And they did about 6,300 for that show, so down to under 4,800 for this one. But 4,800, it's, it's, um, it's not an awful number, but not a, not a blow-away number either for the market. I will say, though, until there were some segments in the uh, opening hour, hour and a half that certain stars they were into, but it really didn't feel until the Moxley Briscoe match happened that the crowd really got into something like there was a, if it did not feel like a boisterous Chicago crowd for a lot of this show. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say like any any particular reaction stood out that much for me all throughout the night. Um, like I didn't think it was quiet by any means, but I I also didn't think it was maybe exceptionally loud, like maybe other crowds um have been. So, well, maybe they all needed a shot of woo energy, which was plastered over the entrance. The new um official energy drink of dynamite, and also on the uh, commentators' desks. So. This is, uh, I guess, the product that is paying for, uh, evidently uh, paying for Ric Flair's appearance. So um, this is uh, why why he's here. And I guess they're not really selling this ad space too often anyway, right? No, no. And didn't use them in Chicago, which is, uh, you know, a big uh, him nor Sting. Um, I would, I would assume that I will assume they'll make it to Chicago before his retirement. They're probably saving that. They'll be back to Chicago at least five times before revolution. They'll have a, they'll have a few. They'll yeah. probably do a top ten countdown of Sting appearances in Chicago. <laughs> Kicking off the show is Swerve Strickland and Jay White in the Gold League and Jay Lethal. Swerve, uh, sorry, Jay Lethal. Um, I've got my Jays mixed up here in my notes, but uh, Swerve Strickland and Jay Lethal in the Gold League, and Swerve Strickland is out with his shoulder taped up, and they showed some highlights from the Texas Death Match. No Hangman Page on the show, and you have the ex- explanation of no run-ins either. Um, though, all we for all we know, Hangman Page is still unconscious somewhere from from Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Like after after a match like that, you you shouldn't show your face for a while. And uh, after this performance, uh, this Chicago crowd, they were willing to embrace the uh, the baby kidnapper. Yes, they were. Yeah, they I were, guess they love swerving. This you want to rehab your image after a baby kidnapping? Just have a great Texas death match. Um, it was uh, I'll say like, I mean, but this was this happens all the time in pro wrestling, right? Where I think performances are so good that you just you forget the story and you just simply are able to show respect to, to the performer that you're seeing. And I, I think that by having Swerve be the first person to walk out here, this was a, a good way of the cap- company capitalizing on, you know, the, 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 the talk of the show, or at least one half of the talks of the show from uh, Saturday. Yeah. I mean, without question, I would say, I would say Swerve was the star of the pay-per-view and, and that match was beyond the, the standout. So Swerve goes after Lethal's knee, and then Lethal yanks at the injured arm and shoulder. So they're both working on these body parts, and they go through the picture-in-picture. Swerve's shoulder is uh, rammed into the post, and Swerve comes back, rolling flatliner, and Lethal gouges the eyes, hits an inverted vertical suplex, and the elbow drop off the top for a two-count. Swerve comes back, stretch muffler, which... Lethal makes it to the rope, and then Swerve hits a running drop kick to stop the lethal injection, hits the house call, and the Swerve stomp in 13 minutes and 52 seconds. Swerve picks up three points in the Gold League, and nice, fine match. I would say it was, you know, good, but I didn't think it elevated itself to uh, great. But you could certainly see this audience, they just wanted to be behind Swerve. Like, they took him as the baby face in this match, and he does feel significantly elevated coming out of this whole thing with hangman very much so and it didn't even require like i think that um i guess intensive a performance for him to achieve it here simply being out here and and receiving that adulation from the crowd was enough to kind of really cement him and i don't think they'll stick with him as a you know baby face or anything this is just sort of like the nature of a round robin tournament where you'll get baby face versus baby face matches and heel versus heel matches 
thankfully this one i thought worked out a lot better because the crowd was so into swerve it worked out better to me than the um the jay white um roosh match where um that double heel match the crowd didn't really have anybody that they wanted to cheer for but this was coming off of texas death match and swerve being positioned as a baby face came very naturally um so this was a really good glimpse at you know what he would be, be like working as a baby face Renee is with Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Shibata. And Orange Cassidy has an announcement, but before he can state it, Yuta comes in, making light of how he beat Moxley and needed so many orange punches, calls Hook a greenhorn, and that Shibata is holding his pure championship, and I'm going to take it back. But as he leaves, they're out of time, and Orange Cassidy is cut off, cannot deliver his announcement. Yeah, so so Yuta, like in a rare sort of instance, is actually promoting an ROH um show tv show which um never happens and like you mentioned john you figured it would be for the ronda rousey match but it was not it was for whatever match yuda has and then it was also for shibata's defense of the peer title against who i don't even know i don't even think they did they even mention or is it yuda that's actually going for it for for the peer title Oh, he's, I mean, that's the, I think the, the long-term goal is facing Shibata for. So Shibata doesn't have a defense tomorrow. Uh, I don't, I think he's on the show. I don't think it's a. Whatever. Okay. It doesn't, whatever. Anyway, so they're, they're, they're leading us towards Yuta versus Shibata at at final battle, you would assume. And you have the outstanding match with Hook still uh, as well. So. Yes. Uh, Brian says Shibata is facing Trent Beretta tomorrow. So So we have, uh, next up, it is. MJF coming out with a cane, followed by Adam Cole on crutches. So MJF had to have his his hip pop back in. Um, mm-hmm. This was legit. Yeah, fun fun yeah. experience to go through. And he said that on Saturday night, he learned Jay White is one of the best wrestlers in the world. However, nobody is on the level of the devil. He's got the most defenses of all time, the longest reigning, and dare I say, the greatest AEW champion of all time. None of that would be possible without Adam Cole. And Cole acknowledges the help of Joe, that they're still the ROH tag champions, but my ankle's in really bad shape. I'm not even close to walking yet. I've got a long road ahead, but I'm going to work my ass off every day to get back here and starts to ask about this devil that's coming after him and all the goons. And MJF just stops, says he's going to send that guy to hell. And we cut to the devil laughing, cackling as the lights go out. And when they come up, MJF and Cole are, they're in the ring, and Samoa Joe makes his entrance, calling Adam Cole a less adequate friend who couldn't defend MJF on Saturday. And he expects to get his title match that MJF has promised, and to which MJF says, regarding your title match, blow me. And Joe goes to choke him, and Cole begs him to stop. Cole says, this is what the old MJF would do, but the new MJF is a man of his word who would do what the what the people what he says to the people is what he will do and you promised him a shot be a man of your word so very interesting here that it was Cole talking him into giving the shot to Samoa Joe and MJF says that Joe won't be the first ROH legend that I've beaten in Chicago twice and suggests we do the match tonight and Joe turns this down because MJF would complain about this tomorrow that he was hurt and he wants to face the best version of MJF, and they propose World's End on December 30th. MJF agrees, and when he refers to Long Island as the most magical place on Earth, the crowd boos. MJF says, I don't give a shit. 
But then he tries to win them back by stating he likes deep dish pizza and to calm down. Wrestling him in Long Island is like copping head from an alligator. And Joe says, you don't have to worry about this devil because MJF is my property. I'm going to have your back even when you don't see me. And then I will strangle you unconscious in front of everybody you know and love at the pay-per-view. So that is our main event for December the 30th. And uh, quite a lengthy segment here. It was, yeah, as maybe, you know, um, some of these tend to be. But, I mean, when it's the world champion in your A program, I I, I didn't really mind it. You know, I think it's it's a strong match for a pay-per-view, especially with MJF wrestling in front of his hometown crowd. Um, in I'm more so excited, though, by, like, the back and forth that we might continue to see between these two on the microphone. I think they showed great chemistry the first time, and I think they continue to show, show it tonight. Um, I think they're both so witty and so quick and Joe is able to sound so wonderfully threatening, which is a perfect counter to the type of baby face that MJF still is, who has still like, he's retained some of the qualities of like being a chicken shit heel, even though he's a baby face. And I think Joe is, is like a wonderful counter to it. So I also, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, thought it was interesting that Cole was urging MJF to take the match. Um, because it's it fits the possible reveal that Cole just simply wants the belt off of MJF. Orange Cassidy, Katsuyori Shibata, and Hook against Jake Hager, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. And Cassidy gets on the mic. He's got a Thanksgiving surprise. Dan Housen returns, and he comes out. Big pop here in Chicago. And then they start the match. They get the advantage on Hook. We come back. Cassidy's in, hits a stun dog to Hager. Shibata's in, trades strikes, trade strikes with Hager, and then hits the big baseball slide drop kick. They triple team Shibata when Danhausen gets on the apron, and he's got Hager's purple hat, and he puts it on. Hager goes after him, and he is cursed. Orange Cassidy hits a dive, and then Shibata and Hook apply chokes onto Menard and Parker. <laughs> Hook doesn't have the legal man, so they have to switch uh, victims and Parker is uh, submits to the red rum in eight minutes and seven seconds. Mm-hmm. A fun trios match. Yeah. I, I think, you know, they, they seem to have um, collected a, a really interesting group here of like, what are the, what are all these characters have in common? You know? Um, Nothing, uh, <laughs> but they are in uh, the same company. Yeah. Um, I, again, um, I think I mean they're all fan favorites first and foremost, and um, I suppose in their own right they're they're all somewhat um, quiet except for Dan Housen. I I need to see the next step. I need to see these four having dinner together, and I need to know what that conversation is like. I need to see these these four maybe go play racquetball or something. Like, give me some vignettes. Let's let's build some sort of like a you know a, a camaraderie between the four or lack thereof. Okay, well that's uh. That's some character depth we can all explore in the weeks to come. Renee catches up with Adam Cole, who is confronted by Roderick and the kingdom and asks where Roddy was when he was dropped on his head by action Andretti. And Cole says, you're not my best friend anymore. Leave me alone. So this was Dick Cole uh, as he just stormed off and left Roddy. And I think I think we're going to start to see the uh, the sympathy come towards Roddy. You could hear a little bit of booze, I, I felt, from at the end of the segment here. So, yeah, I think maybe intentionally drawing a bit of a heel reaction here as they continue to tease, um, I guess, uh, a heel turn for Adam Cole. Then it was time for Christian, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne to come out for the rechristening. 
Christian says that Saturday didn't go their way, but I did not lose that match. Nick Wayne did not lose that match. Luchasaurus lost that match, and that's unacceptable. And he asks, how can we get rid of this losing aura? You are both my children. It's time to recreate you both in my image. And he tells Luchasaurus to take a knee and calls him a moron before he finally does and says his name will always be associated with being a loser. So he's come up with a name, one of strength, toughness, and it means victory. My finish, you are now kill switch. It's like, oh my God. I thought it was going to be the unprettier. Uh, I thought so too as well. You are unpretty, (laughs) Soros. So Nick Wayne immediately gets on one knee. Christian's like, don't ever get on your knee for for another man. You never have to get on a knee for somebody. (laughs) Just hilarious. As Luchasaurus is still down on his knee, says, you're special. You're my golden boy. You are me. I love you, Nick. You are now the prodigy Nick Wayne. (laughs) That's your new name. And out comes Shana Wayne. She got a new name too. (laughs) There you have it. Shayna Wayne comes out and Christian just berates this poor woman, calls her a terrible mother, couldn't provide for Nick with your 40,000 a year waitressing job, couldn't give him anything, this prodigy. It's a good thing your husband is dead because Nick would have disowned him and not nearly the man or father that I am. So go punch your card because I think your shift at Denny's is about to begin. And Luchasaurus has heard enough here, and he gets into Christian's face, and he's also taking his knee up. So Cage demands, get back on your knees, and he starts slapping Kill Switch, and the crowd is chanting, Luchasaurus! And Cage threatens to rip his mask off and show his uh, disheveled face to the audience that they will be to shriek in horror at. And then shoves Luchasaurus into Shayna Wayne, who goes down. And this was such a shove that she was unconscious. She was down and out. Nick Wayne's just looking at his unconscious mother. And Cage calls on Nick to get the chairs. And Cage is about to deliver a concerto when he looks at Kill Switch and instructs him to kill. So Luchasaurus holds up this chair. And finally, Adam Copeland has queued up his music to come out and comes to save this woman, this unconscious woman, and spears Nick Wayne, grabs the chairs, Cage escapes when Luchasaurus yanks him out of the ring, spears Nick Wayne a second time, then an impaler DDT, and then Christian's yelling from the entrance, that's my child, as Copeland lifts up the chair, Shayna is yelling at Copeland, wait a minute, that's still my son, and he hits the concerto, and Shayna's in tears, and uh, this is this is a heroic act by Adam Copeland, who has just uh, killed this this child. And uh, this was hmm. quite the segment. Uh, yeah, you said it. It, w- it was certainly quite the segment. Um, I th- I thought it was maybe a segment of two halves, and I thought the first half with everything, you know, um, uh, Christian was fantastic as he he has been this entire time, and I thought they did a tremendous job of building luchasaurus here and, and and doing i mean this is the the cane playbook isn't it you know you're you're berating this poor si- quiet giant masked man um and and you just want to cheer for this guy to finally revolt against his master and i think christian did a tremendous job here of, of building up that heat i had issue with everything after uh once Shayna wayne arrived and um i to me 
I understand this is a scene involving, um, you know, a half man, half dinosaur, but I do still expect a little bit of believability in the grudges here and in and, and some of the sort of character motivations. And I don't know why Nick Wayne hates his mother so much. I don't like like what what has he said about his mom? I mean, he's he's under the he's under the spell of of Christian that has like poisoned his, his mind that here this. But but what what has Christian said again? Like about his mom that he has that she hasn't provided for him this is a prodigy i mean sure i suppose i suppose to some that might be enough but it's it's not enough for me to think that not only would this guy leave and let his mom get attacked he would aid in the attack of his mom and yes whatever pro wrestling it's sort of like a different line for everybody if you could suspend your disbelief enough to accept an hour's what maybe you could probably accept this i i couldn't really get into all of that and to me it was just um it just kind of felt like a little bit over the top with the villainy for the sake of it i also didn't really completely understand the the copeland actions here my assumption is that i mean this is going to i guess affect shana so much maybe like do you sense maybe shana joining christian you know at the end of all of this i can see that being um a, a direction that you get out of this and this might be a bridge towards that um i i thought though if even if that was the case i thought there was a better way of, of doing it without making copeland look like such a i guess <laughs> asshole <laughs> You know, like, I, I mean, he was saving this woman from okay. concussion at the lo- at the least. He did it, but then he also attacked the woman's son right in front of her. And well, we're I, not we're not supposed to have sympathy for Nick Wayne. I personally think there, there was a better way of getting to it. If you could have had Copeland doing it with more justification, like if he was attacking Wayne out of self-defense and rather like what he did here was he came out here, delivered two spears to Nick Wayne, then an impaler. And on this lifeless body that was not fighting back, delivered a concerto to him in front of his mother. None of that felt really justified of, of a heroic you know, act, right? So I, beyond that, I think he needed to show remorse to the mom when he realized what he did. And I, everything tonight, I just thought, didn't make him look like a good baby face at all. Mm. Yeah, it was I, – I can see some people not uh, not not digging this, this segment. I thought overall – I I feel that the, the, the audience got into this angle, I think, for – at different parts of it. Maybe it wasn't a, a smooth ride for the duration of it. I think overall – Thing, I think you in, increased like the interest of seeing Copeland finally getting his hands on Christian. That is your destination here, which um, maybe this is like this should be at least some temporary removal of Nick Wayne. Like the concerto spot shouldn't be something he just pops back from in a week. Yeah, you would think so. But you could see also like the uh, Shane Wayne, like like joining Christian like that is sort of been um you can see that being um, an angle that, that they go with. Yeah. Renee is with Anna J and Menard complains about everything that's going on. Hager uh, upset about the hat. And Anna J says, this is about me. I just want to wrestle. I'm sick of losing, sick of the infighting tonight is about me. And Parker is showing with a photo of Ruby on his phone. So a lot going on here as we would see in the upcoming three-way match. Roosh and Jay White is our next Gold League match, and the guns come out with White, but they are sent to the back before the bell rings. 
White gets rammed into all of the barricades around the corner, and then Roosh brings out a cable, and Paul Turner is, uh, warns him about this. White then takes over during the picture-in-picture, picture, and we see White uh, take a senton, uh, but comes back with the brain buster. White gouges the eyes, eats a leaping knee, and then comes off the ropes, and White catches him with a urinagi. Roosh blocks the Blade Runner. They're chopping each other. Dragon screw by Jay White, and then a belly-to-belly throws Jay White into the corner. Bull's horns get stopped as Jay tries for the Blade Runner. It's avoided, and they try to run into Paul Turner, who shields him, who turns his back in the corner to shield himself. And with the back turned, Jay White kicks Roosh in the balls and hits the Blade Runner to win in 13 minutes and 53 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting for next year's Continental Classic. No, no interference, no testicle shots. Well, listen, you can, if the ref doesn't see it, you can't really call it, right? So you could always still do that. Um, I thought the work was pretty solid here, but I didn't think the heat was very strong. And for me, it was because um, I didn't think there was a clear baby face. Now, Nathan in the chat claims that um, Roosh and LFI are faces. <laughs> I I mean, I they very well could be. I, I would suggest they that... murdered somebody a few months ago in one of their vignettes, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't those were that was a test that was supposed to be a test, oh. right? I could uh, okay if their faces I, I would contend they're not very uh, uh, over ones and it, at the end here I didn't think the crowd really you know wanted one to win over the other and and that was a bit of an issue but in a round robin you're going to get matches like this yeah I I, I, I like the match it was I, I think Jay White is going to have a really entertaining tournament with the different people he's with and for Roosh he definitely has a momentum since this return that hopefully he can have some standout matches. He definitely has the opponents uh, to do that. Um, good match. I would say of the first two here, nothing wrong with them, but I think for this tournament, you wanted to have like at least one like blow away match that was going to set the tone for this tournament, that this is going to be at a different level. I wouldn't say you got that out of these first two matches other than, you know, good Good wrestling, serviceable. Well, again, if the comparison point is the G1, I mean, AEW is going to be at a huge disadvantage because of the television format. You know, it, it just might not be possible to to do, you know, false finishes in, in, in every single one of these tournament matches, right? Not to say every G1 match has one of those, but these, it's at, are, these are standard lengths. Like, they have the same amount of time. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah, well... it's it's going to be compared to it yeah sure there was a recap of the ladder match and then the angle where starks and big bill attack jericho after the media scrum running an equipment box into his previously injured right arm and the question of how long this will take jericho out so could see that one being for long island as well the tag title match rj city and renee are on the stage at and announce and the AEW Women's Championship goes to Timeless Tony Storm. And there she is in the crowd in black and white, reacting in shock at her name being called. And she has presented Great. the belt on the stage by <laughs> Mariah May. And she is so embarrassed. She didn't have anything prepared and pulls out her notes and thanks Anthony Khan and Warner Discovery, including Jack Warner. <laughs> who uh, died like 50 years ago and all the little Tony storms out there stay in school, maybe get into a trade. <laughs> and she is interrupted by sky blue, who is making her entrance for her next match and probably a, a tease of a title match to come, but a uh, fun segment here. And I think this is going to be the balancing act of 
great, great character work and being able to more seamlessly work this into the, the match stuff uh, as well, because it seems like they have endless ideas for, for the character portion. It's marrying the two that was a struggle on Saturday and we'll see how they rectify that. Mm-hmm. I think all they have to do is, is pull back a little bit on the pay-per-view nights, you know, specifically like, or any major title defense. I like we, we, I think part of the disappointment of the match on Saturday was the fact that we know the type of match Sheeta and storm could have. And without all the shenanigans, I mean, we've seen those matches. They've been very good. Um, I think just when it's time to be serious, just let her wrestle and, and pull back on on some of the gimmickry. But the gimmickry for television is fantastic. Every new idea we've seen them debut for this character, you know, be it the, the silent films or, uh, you know, I, I don't know, some of the stuff that they've done in, in the just the black and white and then something like this. Everything I think has been fantastic. And to think that they they're putting this much production behind a member of their female roster to me that's almost unprecedented because like who have they done that for what in the in the women's division at all in their in their entire history um it, it, it's to me incredibly successful it's very entertaining i love the award ceremony here and you know subtle building of the mariah may storyline when you know tony was talking about how um any all you little Tony Storms out there do something else because you're not taking the spot. Uh, you had Mariah May acting in the background, being very disappointed. So I, I think some have um, suggested this being like sort of um, some maybe a, a take on 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 a, like a classic film about an understudy who wants to infiltrate and eventually take over for um, uh, the star. And, and you almost get you definitely do get the sense that that's where this is going rather than maybe the you know stalker angle that maybe some of us were, were thinking initially. That takes us to Anna J, Ruby Soho and sky blue sky blue being from Chicago. And so it was about nine 40 and this match is getting into the ring. And this is when uh, Tony Schiavone is noting to set your DVRs. We will be going past the top of the hour. And uh, early on, Anna J uh, wraps uh, it's sky blue around the, around the post as Menard is, is yelling and then Parker approaches uh, Soho and Menard and Soraya get involved. They want to keep these two apart. This is our, our Romeo and Juliet storyline that we are uh, the, the, the warring factions and sky blue hits a high cross onto both women and goes for a, a code blue. And we, we've got her like, she almost slid here. And then Anna J turns it into a gory bomb to stop the move. Menard then grabs Ruby Soho and Soraya stops him, starts yelling at Menard and then blue knocks Soho off the apron and is caught in the arms of Angelo Parker. And they're staring into each other's eyes, but before they can do anything, their partners pull them away from one another. And with the distraction blue, then super kicks Anna J and hits a TKO to get the win as Soho is arguing with Soraya and can't break up the pinfall, which occurs at eight minutes and 53 seconds and Sky Blue likely moving towards a title match with Tony Storm. Right. Um, the the match I thought was was kind of hard to get into just because they they seem to have obligations to tell so much of the um Ruby Soho, Angela Parker story. Um, it's a story I'm not that interested in, and, and so maybe I was a bit more interested in the match, and therefore a bit more uh, disappointed that maybe the match was in a a bit more seamless. Yeah. It- Maybe maybe it requires maybe a little more uh, explanation of why uh, Soraya is so opposed to Ruby Soho being with this guy. 
what it's it's a distraction for oh maybe she she just doesn't think this this guy is good for her friend oh she hasn't said that yet we're just like what's uh maybe maybe she thinks soho could do better okay well maybe she should convey that maybe 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 she has like yeah you have better options soraya like who who else is out there like show me like some i wouldn't trust her taste in men okay well fair (laughs) Renee is with uh, Wardlow, who's just randomly lifting equipment and says that the world doesn't revolve around MJF and the downfall of the devil will happen on his timeline. A.R. Fox just walks in like why he cares at all about this is beyond me. He says, you're just wants to get on TV. That's the reason. You just want to put the blame on everyone else. And uh, Wardlow comes back and says, I don't need any advice. And he thrusts his head and just murders this guy with a headbutt, which I was not expecting. And down goes AR Fox. And dude, this was the most comical setup for a match that we're probably going to get on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, this was just like, it's so random. It's just like, hey, we're going to have a match. Let's find a reason for it. Hey, why do you have to put the blame on everyone else? <laughs> Sad but. You just made this segment way more enjoyable than uh, it had any right to be because it just this just came and went for me without any thought. God, but dude, this was just, like it's pretty funny thinking about it that way. Just like argue, argue, <laughs> match. So Saturday night, they're asking you to tune in for three hours, and what we have so far is nothing on Rampage. So tune in for an hour and just find out, and then Collision will have Eddie Kingston against Brody King and Claudio Castagnoli against Daniel Garcia, and th- this is. This is their counter-programming of Survivor Series, so we will, we'll see how this three-hour block does. Um, Thank you, Kate and Cena, in advance, because, um, yeah. <laughs> Mark Briscoe, John Moxley. Um, the bell rings. Crowd comes alive here. Like It seemed like they were into this match uh, from, from the get-go. And Briscoe hits a blockbuster off the apron. They're trading blows picture in picture. Mark Briscoe gets busted open. I, I was happy to see that. The underdog was the one bleeding in this match. No blood from Moxley here. Mm-hmm. Moxley's going for a choke, moves to the arm bar, but Briscoe gets to the rope. And then Briscoe comes off the top, nailed in the gut, goes for the uh, Death Rider, but Briscoe pops up, takes him out with a last burst, and they're both down. Briscoe recovers Froggy Bow for a two count and then tries for the J Driller that Moxley escapes, hits him with this huge lariat and the Death Rider. And they did this awesome near fall that, um, partially just looking at the at the time i'm like okay this is it and when the kick out was made man this place went nuts uh getting behind mark and he's fighting back he is put into a choke kicks off of the rope to roll on top but then mark pops up from a half and half is nailed with a curb stomp and then moxley just dumps him with a death rider in 11 minutes and 29 seconds they shake hands afterwards and then all we needed was a tony shivani we gotta go and yeah, this was, ended at what, this ended at what like ten oh eight. Yeah, like they went like seven eight minutes after the hour. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, it's a tournament match. We have uh, we have Jack Warner himself giving the blessing for for this. That's overrun, right. So. That's right. Ja- Jack Warner from the heavens gave them an overrun, and uh, I I would say like this uh, of the three. Well, of of the whole show, I would say this was the best match. But it was uh, I wouldn't say any of these tournament matches were so above and beyond that I think this tournament. 
like they've literally promised like this is going to be the tournament of all tournaments and i just i i, I didn't have any big complaints about them but um of the three i thought briscoe and moxley came the closest to getting to that level well simply because of the field and and maybe because of of the round robin nature of it um i i could see it being the tournament of all the aew tournaments you know what i mean like it, it seems to maybe have already more prestige than a lot of the other random tournament tournaments you might have throughout the year like more than the owen hart cup you know um so maybe in that sense it is uh, but like, like i know what you mean john like you're expecting you're expecting i don't know four and a half star and above right for for these types of matches and we didn't get that today but it was also the first night um and i also am curious to see how they can constantly deliver maybe that expectation with the shackles of, of television um um programming main events might might not have some of those limitations but um you know i i I mean it's only the first week and and i I, i'm not really ready to like you know make any sort of judgments on the quality just yet i thought it was a very good match you know a good underdog struggle for mark briscoe um and they gave him several big kickouts as a way to, to give him a moral victory here i think in round robin booking you know upsets are to be expected it's sort of like one of the the things about the g1 right anybody can get a win over anybody else just because the points need to kind of like you know play out the way they do you didn't get any tonight no upsets yeah. at all um but as a first week i think that's fine and then the moment you get that shocking victory maybe they'll make a bigger deal out of it yeah i think in a perfect world you also could have announced this field in in a bit more of advance in the afternoon of allow people to really digest fantasy all- book exactly like that's part of the fun of g1 is like you've got Mm -hmm. weeks of people doing their pools and predictions and it becomes you're catering to like that fantasy league uh observer that Mm -hmm. makes like a whole season out of this kind of thing and here they gave you a couple of hours to get ready for this and it's it's i think there's limitations like you you don't know when all these different matches are happening and hopefully they they get that stuff out but I just think in future iterations, like allow your fans to really anticipation is something that with so much content that comes your way, you don't get too many opportunities to allow people to really want something and wait for something and then deliver it. And granted there's, there's pay-per-views, there's shows. And I think this is the kind of thing you want to be able to get a bit of a lead for, for people and Mm -hmm. to get all that kind of stuff out there. And how prestigious is this triple crown going to be treated after this tournament? I think that'll tell you a whole lot about, you know, how people might take this seriously as well. Like the G1, I think, still works because it's for the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Um, is the triple crown going to mean a similar level, you know, without world title implications attached to it? I don't know. Yeah, like think about like what would like what is the value of a strong championship an roh championship and now you're throwing a third one in versus something like the winner of this tournament is sting's final opponent you know what i mean like something that the audience would would take as okay that's that's significant like there's different levels of them like titles in and of itself i think it's harder to make them have that same feel to it in a tournament that doesn't have the prestige and history of like a a, a g1 even that it's just you say the g1 the g1 is selling you because the concept is over to you or or timing this maybe before if all in is going to be traditionally a stadium show maybe timing this before all in to say the winner gets the main event of all in for instance you know anyway uh, maybe get it getting ahead of ourselves here 
Okay, so you don't have a final judgment on the success of uh, the Continental Classic Year One. They gave you. I think the intent was to show you. Okay, this is going to be a star-studded tournament with some uh, uh, sort of like you know people in the mid card looking to make their way up, and they want to give you serious matches with no bullshit finishes. And you you didn't. I mean, other than the low blow, which I think is is fair for a heel like Jay White, you didn't get any bullshit finishes. All right. So were you happy you put your money where your mouth was tonight? Zero dollars. <laughs> hey, it wasn't my words, and I and I gave you the PG description. Um, what what are you talking about? What, what's that in reference to? This was the uh, this was the Tony Khan uh, mention at the press conference of for all the people out there that want a sports based presentation, we're giving you this tournament. So put your money where your effing mouth is. You better be tuning in for this tournament. Right. What does that mean? Even what does that saying mean? I think he, I, I think the argument was, and he didn't say it in kind of a malicious way, but it can certainly, it was taken as, um, you know, for, for the people that have been complaining about AEW getting away from a sports-based presentation, well, mm-hmm. we've booked this tournament that it's it here, all your complaints, there's no run-ins. No, I'm saying what the say, like, what, what is the origin of that saying? Oh, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Um, like, if you complain about something, well, now you have the opportunity to support your vision of something. Um, it's more uh, not literal because, yes, oh, you're, okay. you're, so you're not spend... being asked to paid anything. But here, all these people who have complained about so many run-ins, we're giving you a tournament without any run-ins. So, you know, so let's, back let's up see your how words, popular this is. Back up your words by spending money on. Yeah, or on at that. least tuning in here for Got it. Okay. the literal comparison. But there you go. So I should put my remote where my mouth is. That's what he should be saying. Um, well, don't do that, especially if you have a baby around. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know it's, he, he does that. It is flu season, so okay. That was uh, that was dynamite. Um, how about as a follow up to uh, to full gear? I would say coming out of it, like the big thing felt like it was. I thought they did an adequate job of following up the Texas Death Match. You didn't have Hangman on the show, but I think Swerve was you know the it was presented as that this was a really, they put it over as the most yeah. Excalibur stating the most violent match I've ever seen, which is not, it does not sound like hyperbole. I really liked the scene of just sort of simply coming out first on this show and, and kind of receiving that glow and attention. I could have done with a promo from him after the match, just to talk about the win. And, and like he cut this amazing promo after the match that, that went online with like blood all over his face. I think he could have done something similar um, tonight just to kind of really emphasize it. Um, what else What else was sort of big on the show? I mean, MJF and Cole. They did have a highlight pack of the ladder match, but like I said on Saturday, I I, I don't think the ladder match is going to be um, remembered once it's it's over with. I mean, it's uh, if anything else, it I do think out of all of this, like they are establishing Starks and Bill as one of the, franchise tag teams of the division and feuding with Jericho and Omega is only going to further help them in, in, mm. in that sense. Right. So, all right, we are going to move on over. If you have any super chats and you want to send them in, you're welcome to do so. And we'll be going to forum.postwrestling.com to read some feedback on this edition of rewind to dynamite. Let's do a couple super chats here, John Hansi sends a super chat to say missed opportunity to call Nick Wayne, Nick cage yeah probably fun joke um less less funny if it was a permanent move and we'd have to like it's it's a, it's a one-week joke um but yes um an opportunity there nonetheless 
Yeah, and and um, well, not to mention the like the legal hurdles, maybe with something like that. I get the sense the prodigy is one that they want to keep with Nick Wayne, and it's a very earned, you know, appropriate nickname for him. Yeah, Brandon from New Jersey sends a super chat. Thank you, Brandon. He says, "I do a really good wardrobe impression." Wardrobe, you, you would love it. Um, I think he means the the person who headbutted Ara Fox tonight, John. Uh, what do you think? Are you curious? I'm very curious to hear your uh, ward low or wardrobe impression, either one. Yeah, maybe he can call in Friday and he can give us a, a lion and a witch one too. <laughs> yes. Thank you Let's guys to- for your super chats. Thank you, as always. Let's go to Cody from Maine. Was really looking forward to Dynamite after a great pay-per-view this past weekend, but this show didn't quite click for me. Perhaps it was the opening 30 minutes that set the tone for a bit of an off show. While it's a trend to have performers wrestle quickly after physical matches, it just didn't feel right to have Swerve back in the ring so quickly. An in-ring promo may have been more effective. Or maybe it was the MJF segment, where unfortunately his attempts at comedy died a horrible death in front of that Chicago crowd, although that may have been the case anywhere. Not his strongest material. And the crowd in general was odd for lack of a better term normally AEW crowds play along with what's going on tonight we heard what chance for two of the most popular acts in the company with christian cage and tony storm not a bad show by any means but not must see either yeah the, hmm. the what chance seemed to be like they've never been fully gone but they seem to be uh back with a vengeance uh over these last couple of months uh in on both wwe they're yeah. never going away ever i, think I know but they, they seem us. to be more like the pavlovian response of crowds for any kind of lengthy promo that everyone has to to battle and you either ignore yeah. them or you acknowledge them and um yeah mm-hmm. it just seems yeah and you're right like christian dealt with them and yeah to a lesser extent tony storm i'm curious when they're going to uh, permeate outside of professional wrestling like will you ever hear them at like presidential rallies or um um i don't know any any other forum um like your local town hall um <laughs> parent teacher uh council meetings you know Curious. well they've started to happen at ufc press conferences because dana literally has like a hearing issue so every time <laughs> someone asks a question he's like what and he's got like his assistant there to like really oh, he's the doing the what chant like, to himself yeah his hearing <laughs> is terrible yeah uh, well he's got the, the the whole thing right yeah Okay, let's go to Mr. Kane, who says, good episode tonight. Good combination of story and in-ring action with some fun wrinkles throughout. That six-man tag was really entertaining. Shabbat and Jake Hager need a, need a singles match ASAP. The late, later women's triple threat, was, was re- triple threat was really enjoyable. Definitely a Romeo and Juliet vibe with Cool Hane, Ange, and Ruby Soho. Daddy Magic definitely looks like a Montague. Fun little segment with Tony Storm accepting her title. However, I have a feeling that Tony Storm has a growing problem, similar to Roderick Strong as of late. It feels like the character isn't complementing the in-ring skills of the talent. It's more like overshadowing it. I was happy to hear about the announcement of the Continental Classic. I think the mix of established stars makes for a good foundation for what should become an annual event equivalent to the G1. I hope in the future to see more buildup and maybe we can have a post-prediction contest for it as well. I think it's safe to, safe to say that Christian Cage is cinema. Mm. Uh, do you agree with the, the, the um, Mr. Kane's thoughts on Tony Storm? Um, I think that it's at a point right now where it's, it's new, it's very creative and people are into it. And I, I, I think if it, if it was like a one note joke, I think it could run its course, but I think that they can be, smart enough that this can have a lot of flexibility with it that you can adjust and continue with it for a while well they have the perfect model of how to make something like this work in orange cassidy somebody who came in strictly as a one note gimmick and 
they made him one of the more most I don't know compelling in ring performers in the entire company. And the key to making that gimmick work is he's a great wrestler, and you let him have great matches, right? And Tony Storm as a heel, it's not like you always need her to have like you know four four and a half star matches, but in AEW, even as a heel, you need to have good matches. And I hope they they kind of learn from you know the past Saturday match. Yeah. All right, last one here comes from Alex, who writes, this may have been said during the commercial as I was watching on Fight, but Excalibur said that the top two point scorers were, will each qualify to the semifinals, um, presuming that the first place in blue would face second in gold and first in gold facing second in blue with the winners facing each other at world's end. No uh-huh. idea how they would schedule an extra two matches, but I'm, okay. And yeah, okay, so they're doing the league finals as on, I in, in week six, yes, on yeah. before, which I think is uh, Orlando, and then they do, yeah, the finals on the pay per view. Uh, okay, hold on. Uh, he also says the semifinals would take place on the dynamite before World's End. Excalibur mentioned this at the final. Okay, yeah, sorry, the finals would be World's End, of course, and the semis would be yes. week six, yes, right. And All and right. and it seems like maybe the presumption of first in blue versus second in gold, yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, All right. I, um, if that if that's what was said, then that was it. That was not uh, explained in the uh, pre. No, no. This is this is Alex thinking that that's what they're going to do. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everyone for the feedback, and uh, you are more than welcome to always uh, leave your thoughts after all of our shows up at forum.postwrestling.com. Also, if you are tuning in right now and you see that subscribe button, hit the button on the YouTube channel, and then. Um, you know, you know, we're past fifteen thousand. Are we past fifteen thousand? In wow. fact, we're fifty. We're past fifteen thousand one hundred. Oh, okay. So can we get to fifteen thousand two hundred? Huh? We dare you. We dare you to hit the subscribe button. No cost to you, but joyous things that happen to all of us at Post Wrestling by you simply hitting the button as a hey, I clicked on this channel. Why not? I just uh, say thank you. So uh, please you do might even it get on, some on balloons. Your way out. You might get some confetti. Oh, look, this is all a very one-sided celebration, but um, yeah, maybe we'll get some raindrops or, oh my goodness, look at this. Well, (laughs) there's uh, all different emotions that are going through waiting as uh, the numbers just escalate and escalate. And we thank all of you for all your support of post-wrestling. We're back Thursday. Ask away mailbag show postwrestlingcafe.com. Jump on board. You get access to all of our archives going back years and years, including 143 editions of Rewind Away, 35 editions of the wellness policy, and hundreds of hours of Ask Away, of us asking and answering every question imaginable and you folks never let us down every month with new questions uh, to answer so we'll open up a whole new mailbag on thursday you can check that out and then rewind to smackdown friday night 10 eastern after smackdown from chicago in the midst of uh well that's the only two hours on friday night AEW has the night off on on friday so big weekend coming ahead with survivor series and uh all that great stuff so thanks to everyone for tuning in and that is it for rewind to dynamite
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.